0: I don't know. Church, how are we doing this morning? Let me hear a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we got a, we got, God's got a word in this place. If you're new, Casey, you said it so eloquently, but I'm going to say it again. Welcome home. If you're a first time guest, we believe that God had this day for you, orchestrated and initiated thousands of years ago. And that God is going to do a work in this place. Something I'll tell you about uh, the pastor of this place. He hasn't always walked with Jesus, okay? He's had a life and he's done some things. Some things that I'm not I'm not proud of. I've, I've told you before that I grew up in a small town. Salem, South Dakota, 1,200 people. And growing up in a small town, a lot of times we just, on a weekend we'd hang out, we'd drive out in the country and... And have a few adult beverages, even though we weren't adults. So again, wasn't didn't wasn't walking with Jesus, wasn't doing things right. I tell my kids all the time, Ava, do the opposite of Dad, and you'll do great, right? Right? That's how I tell you. All the- so one time I went out with a friend, and we were we were up to our little shenanigans, and we went out on a Friday night, and we got in some trouble. We we were splitting um, some beers, we were sharing some beers, and about uh, a case, and two of us weighing hundred pounds uh, a piece. And so we get picked up by a police officer. I wasn't driving, so, you know, God was good in that respect. But um, so we get picked up, and we knew we were in trouble, big trouble. And the police officer came up, and he shined the light. If you've ever been picked up, which, Meadows Church, probably most of you have. So if you, he came up, and he uh, shined the light, and we're like, I'm sure he saw the fog in our eyes. And we thought, okay, we, knew, we know we're in trouble. But then he shined the flashlight in the backseat, and he saw there was, um, okay, six mailboxes sitting in the back seat. Um, I'm not even going to get into the story behind that, but you don't need to know everything about what we did. But it wasn't good. So if, we, if you didn't think we were already in trouble, we were definitely in trouble. Like, like, turn to two people and say they were asking for it. Tell two people they were asking for it. Like, we were asking for it. We, were, we weren't just dumb enough to just drink a bunch of beer. We were dumb enough to do some other really dumb stuff. And it, but, but it brings us to a series that we're starting today. You picked a great weekend to come to church. It's called You Asked For It. And the, top, I, the topic that I just shared with you is the first question. So to set this up, you asked questions. You submitted them online. You wrote them down back there. We compiled questions, and the top questions we're gonna look at for the next three weeks. And it's gonna get real. It's gonna get raw. And in fact, the first question involves drinking. You ready for this? This is gonna be fun. So let's, let's go with it. Put it up on the screen. Number one, God. Is it wrong to drink alcohol? Like, what is the big deal? Like, for a Christian person that loves the Lord, is it a big deal to drink alcohol? And the answer was really simple. Only if you get caught, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Getting kids. The opposite of what Dad did. So, um, let's go to the Word. We just believe that God has a lot to say in His Word, and we just believe that's all pretty darn good. So, Ephesians 5.18 is a book in the New Testament that a man that was changed by Jesus wrote named Paul. He wrote this. Don't be drunk on wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the next time you go to the bar, you order a shot of the Holy Spirit, right? Give me a shot of that. Actually, don't do that. That's probably some drink is named that, I'm sure, and that'll get you in trouble. So so here's the answer. Being drunk is a sin. I, I I I could spend a whole service on this, I can tell you that you could go to Romans 13, 13, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, 1 Peter 4, 3, Habakkuk 2, 15, 1 Corinthians five eleven. I could show you scripture after scripture after scripture that would say, getting drunk is a sin. But drinking, what about drinking? What about a casual wine with my dinner or a casual beer with the buddies? Nah, the Bible doesn't say that's a sin. So, so there's your answer. Drinking, eh, it's not a sin. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin. Getting drunk is, yes. but I want to go a little bit farther with the question. You didn't ask this, but I'm going to go with her anyway. In fact, I'm going to give you a main point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Just because something is permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. Okay? Just because something is permissible, and this isn't just drinking or whatever. This could be a lot of different things. But just something because something is allowed doesn't mean it's beneficial. I'm not here to debate whether you should have one beer or have a glass of wine you god will talk to you about that i'll I'll show here's what i will tell you though i'll tell you that as a pastor and a guy that's lived a life far from jesus and now that a guy who's doing my best to walk with jesus is still screwing it up as i pastor people i've never had one pastoral meeting where someone has walked in and said pastor i'm drinking and i'm having a beer or two or three or a glass of wine and it's done incredible things in my marriage it is really, like, my wife and I, when I have beers and stuff, it just gets really good. Like, she loves me better. I love her better. No one's ever told me that. No one's ever said, it's helped my financial situation. Because I'm, because I'm adding alcohol into the mix, I, I'm paying my bills better. I'm doing better. No one's ever told me, ever has told me that. No one's ever said it's added to their well-being. No one's ever told me how it's helped them reach their God-given purpose. Say purpose you got a purpose. Believe it today. You've got a purpose. but No one's ever told me, Pastor Monty, I've done this, and then because I'm drinking, I'm closer to my purpose. I've never heard it. I've never heard it. I've heard a lot of the opposite. I could tell you stories of my life that the one that I just shared, it's done a lot of bad things in my life. I'm not here to tell you whether you should have that glass of wine or not. That's, it's not a sin to have a glass of wine. Not a sin. I don't think you're a bad person if you do. I'm just here to say, just because something is beneficial doesn't mean or something is permissible. doesn't mean it's beneficial. And we'll end this question with, with a, a little blurb from a, a pastor, Ken Eidelman. He's a pastor in Indiana. He wrote an s- article on this, and I love the article. I can't read the whole thing, but I'll read you a little tiny section. It just made me think. It just made me think. He said, for a minute, forget about making a definitive case, a definitive case for or against drinking from the Bible perspective. Just forget about that. Let's just look at some truth from logic in real life. And then he said, no one starts out to be an alcoholic, right? In fact, many begin with a defensive attitude saying, hey, you know what? I'm just a social drinker. Nothing wrong with having one, right? It's not their ambition that someday I'm going to lose my job. Someday I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to lose my self-respect. I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to lose my family. Someday I'm going to be, I want to be dependent on alcohol to get me through the day. Yet that is the destination of millions of people, millions so, so he concludes and says this, that is the de- de- destination of millions of people. Now why do we suppose that is? He says one reason is because alcohol is promoted and elevated as a normal sophisticated activity in life, but he, said, but he adds facts, it's also expensive, that's not going to help a lot of things, you know, it's addictive, that's, we don't need to talk about the proof of that, it's enslaving, it's all those things. People get hooked by America's number one legal drug. And just like all other illegal drugs, alcohol finds its way into the body, the bloodstream, and the brain of the user. So again, is drinking a sin? No. Getting drunk a sin? Yes. Should I drink? If you're debating it and wondering, should I go there, shouldn't I? I'd probably say don't, because I've never seen it do anything beneficial in anybody's life. But if you're having a glass of wine with 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 your meal or a beer with the buddies, does that make you a horrible person? Absolutely not. No. And if that and if you and if that's, you know, it's not affecting other areas of your life, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. But we're looking at what God says, not what I say. So, this is fun, isn't it? So, next question. What is the deal? So, we're Christians. I'm a Christian. A Christian means I'm a follower of Jesus. So, Christians believe in a God that is one God, okay? So, a couple questions came in about the Trinity. <laughs> you guys love when I when I do this. I know you do. So, just go with me. I got a marker that works this time. So, there's God. Christianity is believing in one God. So we serve one God, this is a big deal. The question was this, how do you explain the Trinity? Like isn't this, this God that you serve, actually the Trinity is what separates the Christian religion from almost any other religion in the world, and there's a lot of them, big ones, billions of people. But the Trinity is a big deal and a big separator. What is the Trinity? We believe that God is one God. But yet we also believe that there are three persons in the one God. In fact, one of the follow-up questions about the same topic said, who's God referring to when he says, in our image, in Genesis? So who's God referring to? Because, well, I'll give you the scripture. In Genesis 126, God's creating everything. And, and he says, then God said, let us. Let us make human beings in our image. Interesting. To be like us. It's not to be like me or like my, but, but our and us. So God's referring to more than one. From the beginning he is. This is crazy. They will reign over the fish in the seas, the birds in the sky, the livestock. He's talking about what they do. But God's referring to multiple. So let me take you to Mark 10, verses 10 and 11. Mark, Mark excuse me. Is it Mark 1? Mark 1 verse 10 11. I'll set the stage. Jesus is being baptized. So listen to this. Jesus is getting baptized. 30 years old. Casey talked about the age. Jesus is 30. He's in the Jordan River with his cousin John who's six months older than Jesus. And this is what the Bible says. As Jesus came up out of the water he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. Okay, there's two now. And a voice from heaven, now there's three, said, you are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. Hear all three persons together in one setting, but yet separate. What does this tell us? It tells us that there's God. And then there's, I'm sorry for my writing. It's terrible. I'm really bad. So the father. <laughs> Dys- <laughs> dyslexic. I, I've never done that before. Son? That's crazy. And that just stands for Holy Spirit. So, so there's one God. But one God that consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. So, so they're all God. Okay? So the Father is God. The Son is God, the Holy Spirit, is God. Are you confused yet? Let's keep going. So, Jesus made divine claims when he was with his disciples. He would be like, "You guys, the Father has sent me." So he's talking about something separate. Someone has sent me, and I'm going to go back to the Father. There were times when Jesus prayed. He prayed a lot, and he's and he's praying to the Father. He doesn't start his prayers by saying, "Oh, dear heavenly me." He doesn't say that. He says, dear Heavenly Father. So we know that, that even though that the Father is God and the Son is God and the Holy Spirit is God, we know that they're separate. In this instance, Jesus is showing us that the Father and the Son are separate. So Jesus... Is not God or Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not the Son because there's multiple instances where Jesus is praying to the Father. The Father is talking to Jesus. It's we see that all over Scripture. And then there's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is kind of like Cousin Eddie. Hey, no one want to talk about the Holy Spirit. He's like the crazy uh, you know uncle that you don't want to talk about. But but the Holy Spirit's in there too. And Jesus says this: the Holy Spirit was act. Excuse me. The Holy Spirit was active in Jesus's life. Like Jesus promised his disciples that once he returned to the Father, he would send his Holy Spirit to be with them. That was called Pentecost. Fifty days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit came not just with the early church, but in them and lived in them. So the first Christians knew something. Listen to this. They knew that God the Father was in heaven. Jesus, God's Son, had been on earth. For 33 years, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And now the Holy Spirit, who was involved in Jesus' life, was powerfully present in their lives. They're all God, and they're all powerful. But we know from what we're reading, God the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, because he said he would send his Holy Spirit. i'm supposed to make this easier for you to understand i don't know if i'm doing it my gosh this is weird so let's recap we serve one god we serve a god one god he's he consists of three persons okay there's the father who's god the son who's god and the holy spirit who's god they're all god they're all equally powerful they're all they're all necessary and they're all needed, but they but they serve some different functions. We learn as we look at Scripture. So, but 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 Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, and, and the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. So they're separate, but yet one. Am I helping? Does that make it easy? Yeah, you, you lie to me. I don't care. Just tell me it's good. So they're all powerful and they're all good, but it but it but I, I won't let, let, let me preface it by saying this. The Bible says in Isaiah that God's ways are not our ways. God's plans are not, God's thoughts are, excuse me, God's plans are, plan, or, um, thoughts are not our thoughts. So for, for us to think that we could put a diagram up there and we're going to be like, oh, I get the Trinity, I can explain it, this is the best I can do. This is it. I, to say, there, I don't get all of it. I know that there's one God and I know he consists of three persons and I know that's a Trinity, a, tri, a triune God, and I know that. I just believe that because the Bible talks a lot about it and they all did different things and they're all equally powerful. So, there you go. Question number 3. You ready? Sam I'm ready. I'm ready. So, so this God, this God who's so powerful and uses all three persons to be God in different places and different times. So, this God that we talk about in the Bible that we're reading about today, why don't like he did crazy things in the Old Testament and the New Testament, miracles? Here's the question. Why aren't we seeing the miracles today? Like, what you know what? He's part in the Red Sea. He, the walls of Jericho, they're marching around the, this, huge, this huge city, and the walls just come tumbling down. There's In the Old Testament, there's a donkey that is talking. Literally. A guy named Balaam had a donkey who talked. How come there's no donkeys talking? And, and, and I'll push back on that one a little bit because God's still a God of miracles. Man, you open up your social media for more than five seconds, or you turn on the TV, you'll see jackasses talking all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. Just got King James up in here, didn't it? That is King James. I did not just cuss. That's King James. So um, just just throwing that out there. The Old Testament, listen to me. Let's start with the Old Testament. (laughs) But you do see it. But God used miracles to show people that he was the one true God. See, people could not wrap around this, especially in the Old Testament. See, the Israelites and the people in that time, they were used to worshiping many gods. They had a God for every little area of their life. Oh, this is for my provision. This is for my, our crops. This is for our health. This is for our wealth. This, they had multiple gods was normal. Normal, in, especially in the Israelites when they were walking the earth and with Moses and all that. So God was showing them, this is just one thing, Miracles, again, for me to be able to say, I'm going to unpack all this for you, I mean, it'll be hard. But I'll tell you that one of the reasons that God was manifesting himself in the way that he was in the Old Testament is He needed. they needed to have proof. He needed to show the Israelites, listen, your other gods, they're not parting the water like I'm parting. They're not coming down in a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. They're not doing that. They're not not helping prophets call down fire from heaven. They're not doing that. So do you believe I am the one God? I'm showing, you. God Show he had to show him. So he showed him. So let's go to the New Testament, right? So Jesus, this, this, Jesus, you know, the son, God, he's God, but yet he's the son. He's in the flesh. And uh, so let's talk about him. Jesus did many miracles, many. In fact, who, you know the first miracle Jesus ever did? Anybody know it? Casey, you said it first. And somebody over here was pretty quick. He turned water into wine. In fact, you guys said that kind of excited. I should probably refer you back to the first question. Should I? I'm just, I don't know. So, water into wine. Jesus, that's his first miracle. So Jesus, he he was also showing people who he was. Because for God, they, this is confusing to us, let alone them. So now God is, God was up here doing all these things. Well, now God is walking with me and talking with me and eating with me. And we're walking together. So Jesus is showing them that I am God. So he's doing miracles and he's raising people and he's healing people and he's feeding people. He's doing these miracles. And, and you, but here's the, here's one of the kickers that you need to know. You know what they didn't have in the old Testament that you have today and I have today? The word of God. So they were actually living it. It was, they were living out the word of God, but they could, not like you and me, we can open up scriptures and we can, I can go to my index in the back and look up all the miracles and, but they didn't have that. They were living it. In the New Testament, they couldn't just open up the New Testament and say, oh my gosh, Jesus fed 5,000 with five o's and two f-. They couldn't do that. They were living it. But you and I, we have God's Word. It's why I love it so much. It documents so many miracles. Not only does it document miracles, but the word of God, it gives you guidance for what you need to do. As you seek wisdom, you will find it in God's word. It will build your faith. I'm telling somebody what I've always told you. 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days in God's word will change your days. It will. It will. But but, but even as I say all that, God doesn't change. The God of the Old Testament is the God today. Jesus who walked the earth is still that Jesus today. Miracles are happening. They're happening all over the place just because you don't see them. I mean, there are miracles. God is still raising people. God is still healing people. I mean, miracles are all over. Ava, a week ago, you came up to me. You know know what my daughter said? Check this out. You want to know? She said, dad. And I didn't even ask her. She said, dad. I want to mow the lawn today. I thought, praise Jesus Christ, it's a miracle. I couldn't believe it. And then you followed it up by saying, how much are you going to pay me? I was like, wah, 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 right? So maybe it wasn't a miracle. Ava wanted to get paid. I don't blame her. So we, have, we, we serve a God of miracles. And we look for, we want evidence. God, show us. If, if, how many people have said, if God would just do that, just part that, just change that, just show up in that burning bush like you did with Moses, then I would would you? Would you believe then? Would it change your life? The Pharisees asked Jesus that question. Do you know that? One time, the religious people came to Jesus and said, show us a miracle. We want to see it. Here's what Jesus said. Check this out. Matthew 12, 38 through 40. This is nuts. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign. Prove your authority. And how often do we do that as people? And I'm not mad at you if you do that. I've done that too, trust me. You know, because we just, it's who we are. And Jesus is like, why don't you just believe what you read? It's, anyway. But Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. Wow. But the only sign I will give them is a sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, now Jesus points back to what? Scripture. The the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights. So I, the Son of Man, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus, in that moment, reflects back to the Old Testament, and then you know what he does? He he foreshadows to his death, being dying on a cross and and going going into this place of death before his resurrection. It's here's the thing, you guys. If we can get real, we've got plenty of evidence. Are miracles still happening? They're happening all over the world. I, again, we could do a whole series just on that. God's a God of miracles. They're happening. But here's, here's, what I wanna, here's what I really want you to know with this. The evidence is all around us. It's all around us. Look, look to what we talked about last week. If you missed last week, watch it. G, look to the birth of Jesus if you want evidence. Look to the death of Jesus. It really happened. Science would back it up. Archaeology would back it Look to the resurrection, the the, the foundation of the Christian faith. Look to that. Look to the early church that's existed thousands of years. Look to centuries of believers. And the evidence is all around us. So instead of of, of looking for more evidence of miracles, maybe thank God for the miracles he's already done in your life and let him use your life as an example and evidence to reach the next person for Jesus. Jesus. If you've been transformed by Jesus, you are a walking miracle. I'm telling somebody, if you saw your pastor 12 years ago, you would run right now for the hills. You would. It was a mess, and I'm still a mess most days, but I'm not who I used to be. And I tell people, I can talk about Jesus, and I can show you Scripture all day long, but I was a dead man. Dead. And he resurrected me. I don't, you don't need to show me no burning bush. You don't need to part no water in front of my face. I just have to get up and look in the mirror and say, oh my God, oh my God, you and, and me, the least of these is right here. If you can do it in me, what's he want to do in you? Oh, what does he want to do in you? The, a changed life. Last week, we talked about the resurrection. If you were here, we talked about how Jesus appeared to some of uh, his disciples. Well, Thomas wasn't there. So, so, Jesus shows up to Thomas like eight days later and says, Thomas, you know, go ahead and touch the wounds and, and, and feel the side. And Thomas did it. What I didn't share last week is, is what Jesus said to Thomas after he did it. Look at this John 20, 29. Jesus said to Thomas, You believe, Thomas, because you see. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's faith. Say, faith. Do you know how much faith works into miracles? Big time. What's faith? We say it all the time. What is it? The Bible says it. Hebrews 11.1. You ready for this? Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Some of you are begging for life change. You're hoping something is different. This is faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's about what you don't see. Can we talk about the miracles one more time? Look at Hebrews 11.29. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were walking on dry ground. Wow, their faith has something to do with it. The next verse, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Faith. Okay, pastor, you're talking a lot about faith and miracles. That leads me to the next question. If faith is what it takes for God to move and move mountains like he says in his word, how come when I pray by faith, nothing happens? Like I'm praying for something, it doesn't happen. Example was healing. And then it said, so why? Is my, why is my faith not, not enough? And I would say, because you're a terrible Christian. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm no, just kidding. That's not it. That's not it. But why, why is my faith not enough? You talk about faith. You talk about their faith moving mountains. I'm praying for my family. My family's a wreck. I'm praying for my my mentally messed up mind and my depression and my, my brother's depression and my sister's and my wife. And we're struggling and you're not doing anything. And I've got faith. I go to church, I read the word, I pray. And why isn't it working? Why aren't you moving? Why isn't my faith enough, God? You know what I think God might say? Well, faith is a huge piece of God answering prayers and working miracles. Huge piece. But there are multiple pieces, right? And again, I'll go back to what I said before. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He knows a lot more than we know about what's going on. So faith is, faith in your prayers, faith does matter. But so does motive. I'll, I could show you that. Your motive matters. Look at James 4, three. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all jacked up. They're wrong. You only want it because it's going to give you pleasure. So sometimes, can we just be a little real with each other? Sometimes we pray just because, you know, I want something that I want. You know, someone cuts me off in traffic. I'm like, God, blow out their transmission. That's what I want. He's never done it. I'm waiting. It would give me much pleasure, but he's never done it. Your motives are all wrong. Okay, so faith matters. Motives matter. What else matters? God. Relationships with others. I'll I'll call out the husbands, me included. 1 Peter 3, 7. Treat her, your wife, as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. What does that mean? It means if we're not treating our wives the way we should, our prayers are going to be hindered. There's another factor. And I'll be straight up, I've hindered my prayers. You know, sometimes I sometimes I can be immature, can't I, Jody? Should I tell them? I mean, Jody's like, tell them what? Which story? My gosh, where should we begin? So I've hindered my prayers. Uh, sometimes Jody, sometimes Jody will fib a little bit and she'll tell me, sweetie, I'll be to the car in just a few minutes and then we'll go. Well, a few minutes turns into, why well, I don't know, four hours later, Jody comes walking out. I'm like, all right, you ready to go? And she, I'm in the car, the car's running, we're ready to go, and then, my immaturity will kick in sometimes, and I'll do this. And she'll run up to the car door because she's ready to go, and we're kind of running late. And I'll start to back out like this. And she'll be like, and then the car door's up here, she's like, and then she'll reach for the door, and I'll be back out some more. And I think it's funny because I keep back at the car, and she keeps kind of chasing it. And she smiles the first couple times, but after seven times doing that, I'm scared to let her in. She's ticked, okay? I'm like, and I tell her, come on, Jody, We can't mess around. Come on. And she's like, Eat. I'm like, Jody, quit messing around. It's just, again, pray for us. Pray for her, really. Why do I do that? I just, problems. So, but I know, that day I know if I pray to God, I might as well skip it. I've hindered my prayers that day because I'm just messed up. So, faith matters. Motive matters. Relationships matter. I could go on. God's will matters, doesn't it? What if God's will is not what you're praying? Do I stop praying? Absolutely not. Do I keep praying boldly? Absolutely Know that you have a father who listens and loves you and answers prayer, but he answers them according to his will. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. My gosh, we don't know what's best. What if I told you even Jesus didn't know? This is nuts. You want to go back to the Trinity for a second? So Jesus, who's God, is praying to the Father in a garden hours before they would put nails in his hands and his feet. So he is, you know what he's praying? He's praying for his will. He's like, God, this is, if there's another way, I'm cool with that. You can, you can, if there's something other than me, like being separated from you and being crucified and this happening, it's not just the physical crucifixion either. We'll never understand it. We'll never understand Jesus Christ being separate sin. He took on all of our sin. So God can't have nothing to do with sin. So not only would, I mean, the physical thing, yeah, it's horrendous, but he's separated from his father. Father has to turn his back on his son during that time because of the sin. So Jesus is just, he's in the garden, agonizing. I don't know if I gave you the scripture, I put, oh yeah, Matthew 26. He went a little farther, he bowed his face to the ground. Jesus Christ, God is praying to God. My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. He's not trying to get out of loving you. He's not trying to get out of saving you. He is just in a moment of humanness. Just never forget this, you guys. When Jesus was on the earth as a human, he was a human. Like he was a human being. He hurt, he struggled, he dealt with temptation. So he is praying, God, if it's possible, will you let the cup of suffering be taken? And then then he says this, but yet, I want your will to be done. I want your will to be done. Jesus' will wasn't done. You could say Jesus' prayer wasn't answered. It wasn't. Not according to how he prayed. He went to the cross. He, God said, I'm sorry. There ain't no other way. And Jesus' is like, All right, your will be done. And he did it. So if okay, so if Jesus, if there's an example of Jesus not getting what he's praying for, we're gonna have those examples, okay? There's many factors that are involved. Again, in your notes, praying isn't just asking about what you want. Though you can, make sure your motive is good. Make sure your relationships are cool. Make sure you got some faith behind it. But prayer isn't just about praying what you want. It's trusting that your God knows best. He is your father, remember? Kids, parents, as a mom or a dad, do you give your children everything they ask for? Absolutely not. Okay? My kids would have no teeth in their head from candy. I mean, it'd be horrible. So, you don't do that. Why? Because you love them. Because you know what's best for them. I hope this is making sense. So, do I keep praying bold prayers? I don't get It's almost like a, there's no chance that the healing will come if I pray for the healing. No, there's a big chance it will come because God moves mountains. He's, he's still that same God. Remember? So you keep praying bold prayers. You keep praying for healing in the name of Jesus. You keep praying and you don't give up. And you keep going. But you know that you have a father who loves you, who listens, who says, I'm hearing you, but maybe I've got something better. We had, I talked about that gentleman a few months ago. He came up, just like many of you are going to come up here to the prayer, to prayer team after the service. He came up loaded with cancer. And with the level skyrocketing, prayer team surrounds this guy, lays hands on him. You think we had faith? You think our motives were right? You think we didn't? And we prayed boldly in the name of Jesus, heal this man. Take away his cancer. Guess what didn't happen? God didn't take away his cancer. You know what God did do, though? A miracle. So check this out. So God, this is, I'm not kidding you. In that moment, his, lo- his levels were so much lower than they were. He was on the brink of meeting Jesus pretty soon. God would lower the levels after that prayer. His levels of where they were. And God would give him a couple more months of life. Do you know what happened in that couple months, by the way? He recommitted his life to Jesus Christ in that couple months. He was baptized at Meadows Church. His wife was baptized at Meadows Church. Tell me if God doesn't move. Oh, by the way, by the way, that gentleman... He died last week. He died. He, he, he's with Jesus now. But here's a question. We prayed for healing. Is he healed today? Yeah. You better believe he is healed. He is more alive today than he has ever been. I'm telling somebody, God's plans are way bigger and way better than your prayers. You believe it? Give God a show. I don't hear you. Give God a show. Mm, God, no, he loves your prayers. You, keep, you don't give up on your prayers. You don't give up on your God, but you thank God that his plans are better. All right, here we go. We're running out of time. Number five, I'm going to make it quick. Mm, if believing in Christ gives us eternal life in heaven, what happens to those who don't believe? Example, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews that are still waiting for the Messiah, most of the world. Great question. Yeah, I could I can also st- st- stick in here. What happens when you die? I'll answer that. And then and then the question goes on to say, is it exclusive only to Christians, or what about Catholics, Lutherans? Will they go to heaven? Well, Catholics, absolutely not. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm a cat. I grew up Catholic, and that's where I got my foundation for Jesus. So I. And my mom will probably sit on the left side of, of God, so and she's a staunch Catholic. So, but don't confuse denominations with Christianity. Okay, so Catholic, Lutheran, Wesleyan, Methodist, um, Baptist—those are we created those because we just can't get along. Okay, that's we did that. But that has nothing to do. I mean, put that aside. There's going to be all those in heaven. Trust me. Everything I just—they'll be in heaven. All sorts of those, because denomination isn't the factor. Jesus is the factor. Okay, so let's, let's get this real quick because I know we're getting out of time. Um, what happens when you die? What about, what's going on with these people that, 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 that everybody's gonna die? I was reminded again, the funeral. Here we go. Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the final judgment. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king, who is Jesus, will say to those on the right, Now Jesus has separated out what's called sheep from goats. Sheep are the people. That's what he's talking about right now. The ones on the right, he's gonna say, "'Come, you who are blessed by my Father. "'Inherit the kingdom prepared for you "'from the creation of the world.'" That's what he's gonna say. And then he says, "'The king will turn to those on the left, "'and he'll say, away with you, you cursed ones, "'into the eternal, eternal fire "'prepared for the devil and his demons.'" It's interesting, the first scripture said, "'prepared for you.'" You were never created for hell it was a place originally created just for the devil and the demons but with free free will comes choice that's a whole nother thing romans 6 23 i don't have to talk you into this one we know that we're sinners i hope you know that i know i am reminded every day for the wages of my sin is death that's why we die because sin is in the world It's why cancer exists, because of sin. If you didn't know that, that's why cancer is a thing. And heart attacks, and anything else you want to stick in that blank. The wages for sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So back to the question, Pastor. Is it just Jesus? Because Buddhists ain't saying Jesus is... God's Son, and that He died and rose from the dead. And Hindus, they ain't ain't worshiping Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father, no one, except through me. The Father, the Holy Spirit's with us right now. The Father's in heaven. No one comes to the Father unless they go through the Son. That's why this, this is the key. This is the key. A lot of people believe this. This is the key, Jesus Christ, that's it. Jesus is the one giving that judgment in Matthew 25, 11. Jesus is the one separating the sheep from the goats. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Okay, I get it, Pastor. So who's invited to go to the Son? Like, if He is the only way to heaven, and He is, Jesus Christ, God's Son, dying on a cross, rising from the dead, if He is it, who's it for? Last scripture of the day. You ready for it? Okay. Thank you, Casey. Romans ten thirteen. For anyone, say anyone, mm, it's a good word, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Say anyone again. I like when you say it. Say any, yeah, anyone. Anyone. But I got a question. What? I've got a past. I've done some bad things. I've hurt some people. Like if you knew where I'd been and what I'd done, all my story, I don't know that you'd come to this church. You might run from this church. What about me? Say Anyone 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 means everyone and everyone includes you but what about what about the people i've hurt what about the crimes i've committed i've been in jail i know that's why you fit so well at meadows church i keep telling you that okay say anyone anyone means everyone that includes you that includes you but i'm an addict i've done a lot of drugs i've hurt a lot of people i'm still in my addiction i've been drinking not just to drink but to get drunk i'm into porn i'm into sex i'm doing things i shouldn't do shout anyone Anyone means everyone and that includes you, but I've hurt so many people. I've been divorced. I've had abortions. I've stolen. I've lied. I've cheated. Shout anyone. Anyone means everyone and everyone includes you. So what does that mean? I don't know what it means. I'm still a sinner. I need help. You know what? I got good news for you. We know a Savior. And the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh. Anyone means everyone, everyone includes you. So, I close with an action item for you. Have you surrendered your life to that? To Him, to Jesus Christ? Not to God, not to His Spirit, to Jesus. (laughs) He's the key he's the key. I believed in Jesus Christ all my life, but I was not following him. I hadn't surrendered to this man, this God. And today, some of you, because of where you're at, because of how God brought you here, he literally wants to meet you here today. And he wants you to sell out to the king named Jesus and give your life to him. You're worthy. You're valuable. You matter. We say it all the time. I don't just say it. Believe it. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. Jesus Christ rose from the dead for you. Jesus Christ is resurrected for you. Don't, don't, don't leave here without knowing that you're His and that you call on His name because anyone means everyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Next week it's going to get crazy as we look at topics like sexual morality in our world and divorce and Is it okay to have a tattoo and all these kind of fun things? Depends where you have it, really. So, well, pastor, I've got one. Don't you? No, I don't. We're going to look at some crazy stuff next week. I can't wait to have you back. Look up here. You are loved by the king. Your king's name is Jesus. At least I want it to be named Jesus because if you leave here today, your salvation will be secure and heaven will be your home. But not only that, new life starts today. You don't have to wait until you die to start living. Start living your purpose today. Sell out to the king, do what he's calling you to do, take your next step and watch what he does in your life. Father, thank you so much for your truth and your word. God, will you minister to us today? Will you you speak to us today? We're looking at questions that you have answers to, and yet I know that people walk, walk out of here challenged. They'll walk out of here discussing it, Life groups will be talking about these questions. People will get into life groups to talk about them. God, I pray that your word will go forth and that your love will be felt by anybody and everybody, regardless of where they've been, regardless of what they've done. You love them. You brought them to a church called Meadows so they could hear a word about you and your incredible plan for their life, their purpose. Father, have your way. Do what only you can do, and we'll never stop giving you glory. We'll never stop declaring, Father, that in your precious name, in your holy name, in your Father, Son, Holy Spirit name, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says amen.